Welcome to Digfin Vox, the podcast brought to you by Digital Finance Media. Digfin is an online media platform covering the people and organizations using technology to transform financial services. Today, our podcast deals with two peer-to-peer lenders, both alike in dignity, in fair Southeast Asia, where we make our scene. The first is Capital Match, a Singapore-based peer-to-peer lender, which recently announced plans to enter new Southeast Asian markets. The second is the Venerable Funding Societies, which for the moment is the only Southeast Asian peer-to-peer lender that operates in multiple markets. Today, I have the pleasure once again of speaking with James DiBiazio, editor of Digital Finance Media, who will compare and contrast these two businesses and determine whether these two houses will be complements or star-crossed rivals as peer-to-peer expands through Southeast Asia. Thanks for joining us today, James. Capital Match, a Singapore-based P2P lender, is entering uh, new Southeast Asian markets in partnership with banks and other entities. Um, yeah. What, uh, what exactly is going on there? So the peer-to-peer lending or online marketplace uh, lending in Southeast Asia has, has been around for a couple of years. Uh, you know, we're used to, you know, in this podcast, we've talked about some of the ones in China before and how big they are. Southeast Asia doesn't have that kind of scale, but Singapore is a, a wealthy and big enough market for a, for a modest-sized business to still do well. And so we've seen in, in Singapore and as well as in Malaysia, a little bit in Indonesia, um, uh, the, the rise of a number of peer-to-peer lenders. But with one exception, they've all been uh, just in their own country. Uh, there's one other one called Funding Societies, which uh, is is also based in Singapore, but also but but they do businesses in Malaysia and Indonesia, uh, and Capital Match is now uh, looking uh, very closely at expanding what it does in Singapore and taking that to other markets somewhere in Southeast Asia, uh, hopefully sometime this year. So <clears throat> it's this will be the the first time that we've got two different models uh, in the peer to peer lending space in Southeast Asia that will be trying to figure out how to do this across markets. So it will be, uh, it's not a, a direct uh, toe-to-toe uh, drag-out fight, you know, but uh, it will be interesting as a comparison point to see which one of these ends up doing better. Now, we're talking about uh, both of these companies seem to have regional aspirations, but they are taking money and lending money uh, from people in the same country Right, they're not doing cross-border transactions. Neither of them, right? The investors, the investors, uh, the investors can come from from anywhere, but uh, they are probably then funneled uh, through uh, the the local platform. But <clears throat> the, the investors could be based anywhere, but the the borrowers are all in that local country. The borrowers are local. Got it. So that's what they have in common. Tell me the differences between the two business models here. It comes down to, I think, a fundamental question of, do you need local connections to operate in countries where rule of law is not very strong? Or can you develop a model that's really just focused on good risk management uh, and, uh, and smart partnerships and good execution to make that happen? So funding societies... Uh, has been operating in three markets, uh, not all concurrently. It began in Singapore in 2015, 
but then the next year it opened doors in Indonesia uh, under a separate brand name and then after that in Malaysia. These are all local businesses. They don't, so the borrowers are not touching one another on this platform. Uh, each, each market has its own, its own business, uh, its own set of borrowers and investors. Uh, but they've been doing it and partly they chose those markets because the founders of funding societies, um, Calvin Teo and uh, Randall Wajaya, they, they themselves are from Malaysia and from Indonesia, respectively. So, you know, they they know how things work or or don't work in uh, in these markets. And, and they felt that they could they could make a P2P business work. Um, but they started in Singapore where it's. It's uh, it's it's a rule of law place. There's a you know, strong court system, contracts, and so on. Uh, there's clear regulation about what you can and cannot do. And so Singapore, and also Singapore has just got um, uh, you know this. It's a rich country, so there's lots of business there. The other difference, uh, whereas Capital Match started off just in Singapore, and now they're looking to see where else can they go. Uh, and Capital Match's founder is uh, is. Uh, Paweł Kuczynski, he's uh, he's from Poland, so even though he's been in the region for a while, I wouldn't, you know, he, he wouldn't claim uh, that he's got that kind of local touch. Um, the other difference is the type of products they offer. Uh, Capital Match only offers um, uh, short term loans to SMEs uh, and, you know, usually like 30 day kind of stuff. Uh, and Whereas funding societies will offer much longer term products. They also have a broader array um, of, of unsecured loans, as well as some invoice financing. And they're starting to also do a bit micro lending. So they have more, I'd, I'd say, a riskier business model in the sense that it's longer dated paper and different kinds of stuff. Whereas Capital Match has, has continued just to focus on very short term stuff. Got it. Are they um, so? these guys could be competitors. They could also be compliments. That's right. That's right. And, you know, that's, that's what I said. I, you know, it's not really a head to head, toe to toe kind of, kind of matchup, but, uh, I, and I, what will be interesting is to what extent they end up in perhaps third markets where they might end up competing on a more direct basis. That's possible. We don't know yet, but, um, it does go to, sh it, it will be an interesting experiment to see which one of these types of business is, is better for, you know, certainly for the VCs that have invested in them. Um, you know, in Singapore, Capital Match is the biggest P2P. Uh, it's originated about 42 Singapore million dollars in loans since it began operations in 2015. Mm -hmm. But funding societies is biggest across the region. Um, it's, it's, it's closer to about 50 million Sing of, uh, of loans. Um, but in Singapore, it's it's only about twenty five, so it's it's a, a distant number two. Right. Those those are fairly small numbers, you know, relative yeah. to traditional lenders, right? This, so it's still kind of early days for, for this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, and what's interesting about yeah, I guess I guess the interesting point that 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 brings up is uh, if you're working in a bank, uh, you know, should you care, right? I mean, does this matter? Banks have been retreating from a lot of, or never bothered in the first place to try to lend to small and medium-sized enterprises in their own markets. It's, too, it's either too risky or too expensive. 
Uh, and so that's why these P2Ps have have emerged and been successful because there's definitely a need and and investors are willing to to, to finance these loans because you know they get a good rate of return. Um, but uh, funding societies has partnered with banks in all three markets where it operates. Sometimes they went in by themselves and then later found a bank. In other cases, they um, they went in with a bank. And Capital Match has been very clear that they're not going to do anything outside of Singapore unless they have a partner, which could be a bank or it could be, say, an e-commerce platform or some other type of player. Um, because they don't, you know, they, they you know, places like, well, they didn't tell me which markets they're looking at, but all these markets are are poor when it comes to rule of law and they don't want to get stuck with defaults um, and they want to make sure that they've got a way to, to transfer risk uh, and, and mitigate risk and, and let partners try to absorb uh, some of the risk involved. So, I mean, the question I guess I have is um, these guys are partnered with banks, local banks in every market that they enter. I mean, are they really setting up their business model to become a lender or are they really becoming a P2P platform for the local banks in these markets that, you know, wouldn't be able to do to develop them themselves? Yeah. So from a from a peer to peer perspective, you know, this is about um, trying to offset some risk um, and it's about doing uh, some cross-referrals. So, for example, maybe uh, whether you're funding societies or capital match or any of these other players, you're going to have some customers that want a loan that's just too big for your platform to handle or it, it might be inappropriate for you, but you can then refer that to your partner bank. They might take a look at it. And same way, the partner bank might have some stuff that it it doesn't want to deal with uh, and they can refer it to its P2P uh, partner in that market. But that's pretty small beer because for the banks, particularly from the bank's perspective, you know, as you said, Dave, the, the numbers here aren't huge. Um, and, and so today, at least for the banks, that would be a, a you know, a footnote uh, or maybe a footnote to a footnote worth of, of business for them. So why do they do it? Right. What's the, what's the what's in it for the banks? And the the answer to that, I guess, is hedge partly against that disruption, someday, right? Yeah, exactly. Some of it's a hedge because at some point these P2P guys could become big. And that's why I think that's sort of interesting to see that, you know, Capital Match is looking to go into new markets, you know, because in Southeast Asia, scale usually has to come from having more than one market where in which you operate. And so at some point, these guys, even though these are all still local businesses, there's not, you know, scale in this case doesn't mean that you can really mash these things together. But it, it does mean that at some point you can become big. Uh, and so banks want to have a relationship. They want to have a toehold in this world um, so they understand it. Uh, there's also a, um, a branding push. A lot of banks want to be seen as being themselves, um, I guess, you know, fintech savvy, uh, mm. digitally savvy. This is a good way. You know, they can say, well, you know, we've got this partnership with this P2P and, and therefore that makes us sort of that makes us look exciting. Um, you know, we're in the right, we're aligning ourselves in the right way. And sometimes if they, if managers need to push some reforms internally to, 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 to hasten change and get them, get their own footing in a more digital way, this is a way for them to sort of show they're serious and, uh, and, and play up the benefits of, 
you know, innovation or right. agile working styles. Well, yeah. the, the, I mean, the relationship is copacetic at the beginning. Uh, I can see yeah. clear benefits for both. I mean, I guess the question for me is like, you know, if the P2P market gets big enough that it could be potentially disrupt the banks, you know, what happens to the partnership? What happens to the partnership when P2, the P2P starts taking business away from the traditional lending lines? What happens when the P2P forms a relationship with a bank in another market that happens to be a rival of, you know, the local yeah. partner in, in one country? It, it seems like it's kind of, you know, now it, it's early enough that, you know, those hard questions aren't really being addressed. Here in the United States, people, um, there's a big question about whether you build or buy or white label and uh, whether uh, traditional banks should be partnering with fintechs, particularly alt lenders, um, you know, and, and whether that long term is it makes sense. And those questions still haven't really been answered here, but it uh, yeah. sounds like a lot of questions to answer there, too. Yeah, it's the same. And it's, it is early days. It's, it's possible right now for everybody just to be nicey, nicey and happy, happy. Uh, there were, I'm sure, be some hard decisions. However, the, uh, I will say that the, the guys running these um, P2Ps have been careful not to be exclusive. So they, they, they reserve the right to have multiple partnerships in, in same markets and so on. So they've been very clear that these are not, these are not marriages, uh, they're, they're friendships. Uh, so, you know, I think that these, these deals are not, are not being engraved in granite. Uh, they are, you know, they're, they're friendships of convenience and, and potentially some of them could turn into interesting partnerships down the line, but you're right. Uh, we need to see the P2P models really gain some traction and, and get, get more scale before uh, before we end up in those kind of sticky situations. Thanks, James. If you'd like to learn more about Capital Match's plans for expanding P2P in Southeast Asia and how that will complement or compete with funding societies, read James' full article online at www.digitalfinancemedia, that's one word, .com. All the articles at Digital Finance Media are free, but you have to register. Thank you for subscribing to the podcast of Digital Finance Media. I'm Dave Zweifler. If you enjoyed it, please be sure to give us a good rating and share it on social media so your friends can find it too. This is Digfin Vox.